And we're back, Stripe Show podcast on a Wednesday, usually a froggy Wednesday. See, I'm a good boss. I give people weeks off at a time. And um, yeah, Froggy, why don't you go ahead and take this Wednesday off? I got you covered uh, with this special edition here on a Wednesday. We're going to kind of escalate the instruction this week. Uh, Shaheen Nakjavani will take over the podcast tomorrow from his new studio up in Canada. And uh, he's got a great lineup. You're not going to want to miss that. He'll be hands-on in front of the camera demonstrating a lot of different things on the instruction Thursday. But today, we're going to do a little instruction as well. And I'm really excited about this guest who's joining me. You can see him in the screen for those watching live from Fort Worth, Tim Tucker. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Thank you. So, Colonial, you're there. This is a... um a special place for you. This was actually your first event that you caddied for Bryson DeChambeau, who's in the field. We'll get to that here in a second with your time with him, but you're actually back in Fort Worth colonial caddying for a Canadian, Adam Svensson. And you've been out on the course. Uh, what's uh, what's colonial looking like? It looks amazing. You know, we've unfortunately had a lot of rain, you know, last night and this morning, but uh, you know, it looks, it looks great. It's such a, it's such a, great golf course and um you know fun site so yeah expect it to be a great week i like adam he's talented he's like uh he's got a lot of he's got some firepower there um with his with his ball striking and um so i'm excited to to kind of see how he does here second shot golf course a lot of water let me ask you this that gnarly bermuda rough they have it's not like overly long but it's as a caddy you have to you got to kind of assess it right the lie what's the difference in in like a wet Bermuda versus say that dry Bermuda where you get the jumper. Yeah. So, you know, as it's wet, like yesterday we played and it was damp, we played super early in the morning and, uh, so it was doing the grass. It hadn't rained yet, but you know, where we were expecting, you know, normally you would get jumpers out of this grass and if it's wet, you know, that the spin rate increases instead of decreases like the jumper. So, you know, later on this week, as it gets warm and dries out, we'll definitely get, you know, 20, 30 yard jumpers even. Mm. PXG has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers, fairways, hybrids, and irons. The new Gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased MOI, faster ball speeds, longer distances, and tighter dispersions, all coupled with the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from pxg schedule your custom fitting or buy online at pxg.com yeah it's interesting right i mean it's when you get that little dampness it's almost more difficult right because if it's just dried out then you can probably anticipate more so when you're going to get the jumper um out of the lie so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out looks like the the weather is clearing out uh if you missed the show yesterday christopher powers and i broke it down and Give you our thoughts uh, and and best bets. All right, let's um got a lot to get to here. Um, greens reading is something that you're especially really good at. I mean, you're a terrific caddy, but you've got a lot of other businesses going on, and we could probably talk for about two and a half hours on this podcast. But I'm going to streamline it, and we're going to get to your new product here in a second from a greens reading standpoint. You're not going to want to miss it because it's uh, it's very interesting. And it's going to be hitting the market here probably in about three weeks or just under three weeks around the June 15th mark. But I got to ask you first, you caddied for Bryson for six and a half years. 
Um, you started here at Colonial. Give us a little insight what it's like uh, caddying for Mr. DeChambeau. Yeah, I mean, it was it was great. You know, you had the opportunity. Well, first off, you know, when Bryson came out on tour, you know, it was, people were excited because he played so great at the amateur. He, had, or excuse me, at the uh, at Augusta at the Masters. Mm-hmm. He'd won the amateur, um, won the NCAA. So, you know, there's a lot of hype around him. And, and a lot of people don't know we were friends before I actually caddied for him. I was caddying for a guy, Tyler Aldridge. Um, and, you know, when Bryson came out and he had a caddy and, you know, I quit working for Tyler the same week that he let his caddy go. And, you know, he had invited me to come back up to Colonial and see if we'd fit. And, you know, we took off from there. But, yeah, it was great. Great working for him. Super hardworking guy. You know, very innovative and, you know, always loves information and trying new things. And, you know, I'm the same way. Yeah. But your mind's like that too, right? Like you're, you're kind of pushing the envelope and this product will speak to that here as we get to it. Um, but what, what was the, what was the most challenging thing for you? Like as a caddy, what's the hardest thing? If you had to narrow it down to like one or two things, it's like, I got to get these two things right when caddy. Well, I mean, obviously you have the basics, you know, you need to obviously have the course knowledge, you know, but you really need to know your player. And what I really learned with Bryson, you know, what we really dove into was, was trying to hit the ball the perfect distance every time and understanding mm-hmm. certain spin rates, um, ball speeds, all these things and how they affected, you know, the ball in different, or excuse me, the distance in different, you know, different areas, different air densities, you know, different moisture levels, different turf interaction, all these things. And so, you know, that was what we, we really worked on to make him as accurate as possible. And greens rating, like when you, when you were with Bryson and not even today with Adam, how involved were you on the greens rating process? Was it, Hey, what do you see here? You tell them and then they make the final decision. How, how does that process go? Well, with, with Bryson, it was, it was really different. We used the same green reading technique and, you know, so there's, there were multiple things we had to know. Obviously most of the tour greens here run, you know, around 11. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things we need to know, you know, Bryson would pace his putt. Um, we need to know how far we are from the hole. We needed to know what slope we were putting across. We needed to know what angle to, to that, what angle we were to the straight and we had to find straight. So he would work on that. You know, we'd both work on that. We'd come up with it with a read and then we would work on our speed as well. So Bryson would measure out his putts. So a good example, if we had a 30 footer, you know, straight down, a 3% slope, we needed to hit it 40% of the way. So we'd hit it, you know, we'd talk about speed and say, Hey, this is a 12 footer. So we'd make every putt level. So a lot of people didn't know that we did that, but Hmm. not only would be doing yardage in the fairway, we'd be doing it on the greens as well. How many players do that? Do you think on tour right now, how many take it to that nth degree like that? One. And he developed this, he developed his speed, you know, with the ruler. I'm sure people have seen him with the ruler on the practice putting green. And, you know, it's really, really difficult. And he's to do that. And Mm -hmm. a lot of dedication, a lot of effort work to do that. And he's put, I mean, he is religious about that. You know, if he, Mm -hmm. we actually started breaking it down into ball speed, you know, so if we had a 10 footer, it needed to be a 5.1 ball speed where a 40 footer needed to be a 10.1 ball speed. Wow. Uh, we would we would even talk about hey we need this ball speed for this length of putt, but yeah his dedication to that you know it is the best way to do it 
it just takes so much time and the average golfer, I don't know if they could ever conquer. That. Yeah. I think people don't realize, you know, Bryson was a, wasn't a great putter, right. When he came out, I mean, now, now Bryson's a great putter on, on tour. I mean, he is a terrific elite putter on the PGA tour, the distance we know, and it speaks for itself, but his putting, I mean, when he won the U S open, yeah, he was overpowering, but his putting was ridiculous, right. When he, when he won there. So he's turned into, he's, he's really worked hard and you got to give him credit for not only figuring this out, but then, you know, putting the time in, in the reps to become a great putter. Now let's get into greens reading itself. You said a few things there. Share with my audience just how, before we get to your, your device, okay? Because I'm going to put your device up here in a second. But before this device, Tim, give my audience some background with you on how your greens reading has evolved, perhaps not only just using your eyes, but with your involvement with Aimpoint, which we see a lot more now. We see guys using their feet, straddling the line, you know, one, two, three. Just kind of t- give us give us some insight there on on what's helped you from a greens rating standpoint, and then we'll get to your device after that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, most people before these systems started coming out, you know, we just used our eyes and we would, you know, walk on one side of the hole, look at it, walk to the other, look at it, and you might see two different things. You kind of average them and, you know, just kind of guess, you know, really. And it was an educated guess, you know, but you would were guessing, and, you know, since you know, aim point and vector came out or excuse me, vector. And then aim point came out. Um, It was now there's, there was a method to it. And so if this is the easiest way to explain how that works, imagine if you have a, you had a table, okay. A round table and there was a hole in the middle of it and the table were perfectly level. All putts would be straight, correct. To the center of the hole, center of the table. Well, if you put, let's say a phone book under one end of it and created slope. Okay. Now imagine if the high side were the 12 o'clock, the low side were six o'clock. So if we were at the the three o'clock angle and we were putting across a 2% slope and we hit the ball, the same speed, every time the, the break would be, would be the same every single time. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. And and all greens, you know, really have the same shapes. You know, we have we have uh, planers, so one high, one low. We have saddles and we have crowns. So you know, that was something that really we didn't spend a lot of time on in tournament prep were the greens, because all greens are the same. People don't think of them that way, but you only have those three shapes, and so they're predictable. They're all the same. So it doesn't matter if we're putting at Augusta or we're putting at Colonial. The same shapes exist. So we, you know we just use our process and it worked on at, at every course. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, the, it, it's really complex. You know, it's a, it's a math problem that, you know, we can't do in a short time, you know, on the putting green to be exact. Mm-hmm. So I always said our brain can't do the complex math. So, you know, we needed to come up with something else. And so you started to see people holding the fingers out, you know, the, the systems can be in the, in the system that Bryson uses and, and that I used with him was absolute you know the math was correct um and you know putt view there's a company called putt view that these german company and they do a lot of a lot of detailed work on the putting green it's phenomenal if anybody has a chance to to look at that putt view but 
you know, they validated a lot of this, this data and even fine tuned it more for us. But, uh, you know, the system that we were using is super complex. Well, most people, and we, and, you know, I used to teach that to the public. And the, and the problem is, is that unless you're working on it every day, you know, it's a skill that you have to develop, but Mm -hmm. you know, it was too complex. And so then you started to see the shortcuts and, you know, with the fingers holding up and things like that. And that's fine, but still people are getting it wrong. It's just not absolute. And so that's why, you know, we, I developed this device that's, that's, you know, we're coming out with and it's pretty amazing. Again, it's not absolute and perfect, but it gets the player in the, in a really close proximity to the break and then allows the player to be an artist and get the ball into the hole. So when we see a player use their feet, right. Um, and, and before it was just all eyes. I can remember getting into the business, like being taught, okay, you know, there's the high side of the green, there's the low side of the green. And that's the way the green is pitched. And depending upon where your ball is relative to the flag that, and we know like, okay, there's a lot more going on, you know, in the middle of the green and whatnot. Sure. Um, so this has kind of evolved into, okay, let's use our feet and guys are straddling the line. They're like, okay, which foot is higher than the other? And okay, I feel my right foot a little higher. And then it's like, okay, what percent is that? And the higher percent, of course, the slope, the more it's going to break. And the faster the greens, we know the more it's going to break. And the more time that ball's coming across that slope, the more it's going to break, right? So those are the, like some of the contributing factors that go into this. And as I was learning aim point and using my feet, I think two things really became apparent to me, Tim. One was, it seems to help me when it looks like I'm not sure which way it's going to break, you know, like I'm kind of, I don't know, kind of confused. So I use my feet and it seems to help on putts that break a little, but I'm not seeing it. Correct. And it, and it also helps, I think on the fact that we know that downhill putts and faster greens stretch that damn breakout. Right. I mean, play more break because we're not seeing enough generally. Is that, is that accurate that we're not seeing enough in particularly downhill, faster greens where uphill, it seems to be less of an issue. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I I would. I mean, you know, it's just, and it's just a factor of time, right? You know, the putt is moving faster. So it has less time to break where a downhill putt is, takes more time to get to the hole. So it has more time. Yep. Okay. So now we've evolved into that and guys are using their fingers and it's not a, it's not a perfect scenario because the greens books go away. And when Aimpoint came out, they had these, you know, it was a complete system that was more exact, right. And you could determine where the ball was relative. So we're not going to get into all that. So how do you streamline this, make it where it has some science to it. But like you said, you could be a little bit more of an artist. So now, you know, I'm going to bring this in here. And this is the device that, um, that you've created. So, so walk us through this, what we're looking at here. If you're not watching on video right now, you need to go to the YouTube page and check this out, or you can certainly see it on my Instagram as well. at Travis Fulton golf, because what we're looking at here is, um, is a device that Tim has created. That's going to help. And I think really kind of the next step from a green draining standpoint. So explain what we're looking at here, Tim. Yeah, so it, we're looking at a ball mark. So, you know, you'll see a lot of players as they're as they're reading the green. They use a line on the ball and they'll set it down, and then they step over 
it doesn't look right. So they come back and turn it and change it. And so, you know, that takes time. Basically what we're doing with this is as you walk up to, when you walk up to your ball and mark it, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to aim this black line directly at the hole. Okay. Then the next question we're going to pick it up, clean it. And when it's, you know, as we're waiting for our turn to putt, we're looking at the putt and, and asking ourselves a couple of questions. One, does it break? And if so, which way? And then from there, the next step is how much does it break? Does it break? A, we're going to rate our scale, our, our break on a scale of one to three. Okay. One being a little break, three being a lot of break, and obviously two being in the middle. So we're just going to pick the, we're going to decide, hey, this putt slightly breaks. I'm going to use the first line right or left of the black. If it breaks a lot, we're going to, you know, if it breaks a lot, we're going to use the third line. And it's amazing how, freeing this is once you set that down and pick the mark up now it's aimed at the hole or excuse me it's aimed at our break and we're just referencing the hole and trying to get the ball moving in that direction um i've had a lot of guys use it i've had guys test it it works amazing you know adams uh, has done some work with me on the putting green with it loves it um and it's just an amazing device it really gets the golfer close and i think it's going to be really great for the average golfer and actually help speed up play. Cause I don't think mm. people have a system right now and the systems that are out there are super complex. And I think this will really free them up and, and give them a process that helps them be better putters. So that first white line coming off the black line yes. is let's just say in theory is kind of a half percent, 1% slope perhaps. Right. Somewhere in there, the red line closer to two, and then the the next white line outside of that closer to three. And then you were rep, you were saying maybe you were going to add another as a, as a 4%. Yeah. We're adding a fourth line. Correct. Okay. Just for, for big breakers, you know, this can, and this works on double breaking putts. It works on any putt on the putting green. <laughs> okay. So take me, let, let's go through the exercise that you took me through yesterday. Okay. Where you had me draw a hole, right? And I want to do it again. And I, and, and I think this would be really interesting for people at home. And it kind of gives, it kind of helps explain this even a little bit further, doesn't it? As, as, as we kind of, let's say, a short, medium, and a long putt and how that would change. Correct. So let's say, let's say you had a chalk line on the putting green, okay? And you were able to put, so you have your ball at one end, one end and you have a 20-foot line. If you put a hole at two feet from the ball, five feet, 10 feet, and 20 feet from the ball, okay? And if you were putting across a 2% slope at the, from the 90-degree angle, right, the first putt would be the two-foot putt, the reed would be inside right of the hole. At five feet, it'd be two inches out. At 10 feet, it'd be 11 inches out. And at 20 feet, it'd be 23 inches out. So if you drew a line from the 23 inches out back to the ball, it would intersect the 10 foot line. That's 11 inches out or the 10 foot hole. That's 11 inches out the five foot hole. That's two inches out and the inside, right? Put it two feet back to the ball. So it should, it'd be a straight line on that break. So basically creating a V just like this mark does. So that's why that's how it works, really. I mean, so and as you get further from the hole, that angle gets greater. So at a 40 footer, it would be 56 inches out. So it just grows as, as the putt gets longer. Right. 
It does. And that's, and, that, and the reason I asked that is that's probably going to be one of the first questions you're going to get, right? Is, well, how does it know versus a two footer versus a 10 versus a 20? And what you just explained there, if you draw that on a piece of paper to your point, let's just say on a 2%, we would use that red line. And that red line right on the left there would, would point inside right on the two footer, just outside the hole in the five, even more outside the hole in the 10, even more outside hole in the 20. Is that right? Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and it's all done with math. So, you know, these angles were created by math and, and that's, that's why they work. So basically we're just averaging the slope that we're putting across. And again, and not, you know, because if you take a level and place it on the green, you know, which we used to do when we were using these, these, uh, these systems. Now you can't do that, you know, right. especially on the tour, you can't do it. And it's time consuming, you know, it really takes a lot of time. Now we're just saying we're essentially still averaging that slope, but we're just doing it by determining, Hey, does this, again, does this break a lot or a little or mm -hmm. in between, you know, one, two, three. And I find that people, you know, if I just take it out to the putting green and ask a random person, you know, and walk them through this process, Hey, does this putt break? Yes. Which way left? On a scale of one to three, does it break a one, two, or three? If you were rating slope, and they'd say, "Okay, uh, two. We put it, you know, so we mm -hmm. aim the aim the black line at the hole, put it on the two, put it, and it's amazingly how accurate it is. <laughs> you know, where our subconscious is aware of the slope, it's our conscious mind that always gets in the way of it. And I think mm -hmm. when you're using a simple process and a process of elimination on slope, it really simplifies it and gets us really close. Okay, so here's the next question that I think you'll be asked because we know, and I think we're more educated now on the different stimp, stimp, the, the speed of the green, right? There's, all right, resort style has got 9, 10 on the stimp. PGA Tour is 11 um, different speeds of greens. And we know that based off the different speeds of the greens, that's going to affect how much the ball's going to break. So how does this tool account for that? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, the angles, obviously, the slower the green, these angles would be closer together. So, you know, we have a we have a mark that works on faster greens, slower greens, medium greens. So basically, whatever speed your home course is, you'd use that mark. So when you buy this, you're buying a pack of three. Well, you can buy you can buy a pack of one or a pack of three. Yeah, okay. So if I'm playing my home course all the time, and I know roughly it's a medium speed green, then I would just need that one. Or if I'm a, a player that's traveling around playing a lot of different speed greens, then I probably want to get all three. Correct. Okay. So that's, you know, so that's to me that what am I missing there? We, we, as far as questions, as far as, you know, I, we know that, okay, the, the line one, two, and three, the percent and how that's going to increase as the putt gets longer. And then we know those lines will shrink together on slower greens and then spread out more on faster greens. That's correct. What else am I missing there on this tool that needs to be known? That's really it. It's that, <laughs> you know, the biggest thing is, you know, and we used to do it in the classes that we would teach and, you know, it's don't forget, you know, obviously it's important, you know, most golfers, Hey, 
just because I have, if, even if I have the perfect read, I still need to control speed. And I need to start my putts online. And golfers oh, continually need to work on that, and they really don't. You know, so finding drills, talking to your your instructors, you know, getting help with starting the putts online and controlling speed is also super important, right? It right. doesn't mean you know eight inches out of the hole, and I, you know, with the prediction that I'm going to hit it a foot and a half by, and I hit it four feet by, it just you know it's not going to work. So obviously, those skills still need to be worked on, but this sure. simplifies it. Yeah, this is this is a separate skill, right? It's its own skill, reading a green. And and it's probably the one that's the most neglected, um, I would say, in amateur golf. And um, but I do think in doing in being in this business, the podcast business, with my following on in social media, that that this is a discussion that's happening more now. I can I can sense the interest more from amateur players teach me how to read a green more. What am I watching with these guys and women with their feet? What am I watching when they're using their fingers? What's going into that? Educate on those characteristics. And now what I'm looking at here with this tool, does this, does this have a name by the way? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I got some ideas. Let me write some things. Let me throw yeah. some things. <laughs> Let's call it the Tucker. It's simple. <laughs> it's the Tucker. Um, let's see. So, and now what you're telling me is, okay, I can streamline that into something that's going to speed up play is basically, I think kind of the third point that I would make with this is this should help speed up play because it's going to streamline the decision of where to aim it exactly where to aim it. And I think you'll learn from that, right? Cause that's the other thing. Like when you, if you, whether you adopt this or aim point or whatever, like you have to go through it commit to it, hit it, and then learn from the decisions that you make. And all of that needs to go in and continue to refine the decisions that you're making based on this, because that experience will make you better at this. No question. I mean, one of the, the biggest parts of this is error detection. Saying, yeah. hey, wait, did I hit it too hard? If I did, okay, that's the first thing we need to look at. I was trying to hit it X speed, but it, you know, I, I was trying to hit a foot by, I hit it three feet by. Right. Okay. Well, that was my first error. So a lot of people will go, put it down, hit a putt. Oh, that doesn't work. Well, wait, let's track it back. Did I hit it with speed? Yes. Did I hit it on a prop on a good line? Yeah. I felt like I really made a good stroke. Okay. Then was it a slope issue? Right. And just working backwards to that, that makes you better. You know, you always, yeah, that was something that Bryson was really great at. Whether he hit a ball dead down the middle of the fairway or hit it, out of bounds we talked about the swing you know we learned he if he had a bad shot he's like my first question should be hey what happened there most golfers don't even want to talk about it bryson always wanted to talk about it because he's working he's going hey this is what i did this is what i need to do this is why that mm -hmm. shot happened you know and i love that we talk about every single shot he's approaching to the green whether he hits it three feet or or you know, 30 feet. Hey, what'd we miss or what'd we do right there? You know? Yeah. So it just makes you better. Every single shot as you're playing needs to have error detection. You just can't go, Oh, I just hit it bad. Well, <laughs> yeah. why? Reason right. just because I'm just saying I hit it bad. Doesn't make me better. I have to dissect it and understand why. So I don't do it again. 
You know, when I teach people endpoint and I tell them like, look, I said, one of the most important parts of this is you're going to make mistakes, but, but learn from the mistake. Yeah, you know, absolutely. you read, you, you know, you're going to make mistakes and you got up there, you, you read, okay, it's a, it's a 1%. I hit it there. I, and I was like, damn, it broke more than that. And I hit a oh, maybe it was 2%. Maybe you should go check that out and see, you know, that self-leveling process. And, um, you're going to make mistakes, but learn from it. And I think greens reading perhaps more than anything, um, is something that you can just put in the memory bank. If you have a simple system like this, that can help speed up play because it makes a hell of a lot of sense. It's based off science. You're, 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 you're stating that it's not exact, but it's getting you in very close to where you should be able to improve your greens reading and process, um, considerably. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's never going to be exact because we're not robots. We can't hit our putts perfectly online. Mm-hmm. The turf conditions that, you know, we putt across are not perfect. You know, you could take a perfect roller and roll a ball across it, you know, and one time it goes dead in the hole. The next one goes inside left. The next one goes inside, right. One misses, you know, so it's just, again, even on a perfect putter, the ball doesn't always go in. And so, you know, we don't have to be perfect. I think that's a, that's a problem with, you know, with putting is that we're, we're doing all these things to be perfect. We don't have to be, we have, you know, like I say, our subconscious is always aware of what needs to happen. And if we can free it up and allow it to to take over our conscious mind, we're going to be better putters. Haymaker Coffee Company was established in 2021 to create the best coffee to fuel the underdogs who perseveres, who hustles, and have the give-it-all mentality to achieve their American dream. Haymaker Coffee only roasts top-quality, specialty-grade coffee beans resulting in brews that satisfies those who demand every drop from their coffee and day. If you work hard, run hard, fight hard, and play hard, we have your coffee right here. Yeah, that's well said. All right. Well, let me, um, I mean, I could ask a thousand more questions on this, but, uh, so when's, when's this going to be, when you, when you expect this to be released? Um, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. The middle of June, middle of June. Okay. Um, and doesn't have a name yet, but what do you think in price wise? <laughs> they're going to be a hundred dollars, hundred bucks. Okay. Yeah. They're three stainless steel. They're heavy. They're, you know, they're, they're custom milled and, and made, um, you know, people have said, Hey, you should make this in China. No, I don't want to make it in China. I want to make it something that's nice. I want to make it something that, you know, you won't lose, you know, because it's heavy in your pocket and, uh, you certainly won't want to lose it because it's helping you make pots. That's for sure. Yeah. And don't lose that pay for itself, right? Pay for itself with your, with your buddies, start making putts, pissing people off. I I would, I just put in my pocket real quick. And it's like, who was it? Was it Sam Sneed that developed the the sand wedge with balance? He would hold his hand over it, get in, hit a shot, hold his hand over it and put in his bag backwards with the grip up. He didn't want anybody to see it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what what it is. You're holding your hand, mark it and like hover it. People can't see what the hell you're doing. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you making everything? What is that in your hand? Now don't worry about it. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this is cool, man. This is this is good stuff. You know, people are gonna be like, hey, where'd you hear about that? Stripe Show podcast. Tim Tucker on there with Travis Fulton. This is the next, the next step and uh really exciting stuff. All right, you've got another business. You've been busy. You got this going on and since uh 
you know, getting out there on your own with since Bryson, of course, you're catting for Adam a little bit, but you got another business out there in Bandon Dunes, which I know gets incredible traffic of golfers flying in from all over the world. Tell, tell my audience here uh, about that business that you got going out there. Yeah, this business actually has a name. It's called Loop. And <laughs> <laughs> I worked at Bandon Dunes for a long time and, um, and another buddy of mine, his name is Amos Baker. He's running the business day to day. Um, he was a former caddy at Bandon as well. You know, these guys, you know, make this long truck band is really difficult to get to. And once you fly out there, you know, you have to do something. You have to find some transportation because Bandon doesn't provide it. And so, you know, there's three airports. You have Portland airport, which is four and a half hours away. You have Eugene, which is two and a half. And then you have North bend airport, which is 40 minutes away. So, what I did, you know, I, we created a an amazing service. It's a luxury service. We have 24 passenger buses that we've put eight seats in. They're they're amazing. They're like riding in a private jet. You know, they have a, a bar, bathroom, multiple TVs. You know, heated, cooled massage chairs, and uh, you know, we want everybody's so excited to get to Bandon. We want your trip to start when you get off the plane, not when you get off the plane, drive two and a half hours, and then finally get to Bandon. Right. You, you don't need a rental car at Bandon. So, you know, also, as you know, when you play Bandon, you play as much golf as you can. The weather's weather's harsh and you're beat up, and this way no one has to drive back. So we let our drivers get you there safely. And, uh, yeah, we've created just a really nice service, and it's taken off. It's been amazing so far. It's called really. The Loop. called Loop, L-O-O-P, yes, sir. On the website, there's a yeah, abandoned loop transportation. Abandoned loop transportation. Yes. Awesome. There you go. No more buzzkill, right? You get off the get off the plane, you get in the in the loop transportation, and it's party's on, right? You just off you go. You get there, you feel energized, you're ready to go. And you're tired yeah. after the round, and then you get back on that and they take you back to your airport. Right. You know, a lot of these guys too are coming from different areas and it's nice to kind of sit down with your buddies, you know, in an air and, you know, the, the seats face each other. So, you know, you have your whole group, you're, you're interacting and just having a really great time. So it's real, it's, it's been amazing. I've, I've ridden in it a few times with my buddies. We've gone on a couple golf trips just to test it out and <laughs> the ride seemed short, but it was, and it was really fun. So <laughs> that's awesome. Well, congratulations, man, all your success. Um, and uh, this is going to be fascinating here. This uh, greens reading tool. We're going to come up with the name. I'm going to think about it all day. I'll send you a couple ideas at the end of the day here. All right. Um, but uh, this is great. I really appreciate you joining us there. I know you've got a, a busy week as uh, Colonial gets going there in Fort Worth. Adam Svensson, you're on the bag for this week. Tim Tucker, thanks for joining us here on the pod. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.